What is up, everyone? My name is Will Holdren. I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, and her name is Charlene Nichols. And Charlene is actually the founder of Omniverse City, which is actually a metaphor metaverse platform. So I'm extremely excited to kind of dive into this, learn more about the metaverse platform and Omniverse City more specifically. Uh, so to start off, Charlene, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Will. This is my first time being interviewed by somebody I don't know who doesn't really know about this platform and opening it up to a new audience. So I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to learn as well because obviously the metaverse is a pretty new topic and not a lot of people know a ton about it. So I guess to start off, I want to dive into what was your background and how did you kind of come about the metaverse and why did you want to go into the metaverse spectrum? I think I think I had a moment in my life that everyone can relate to. Um, I was in a job that I'd been in for 20 years. I had done everything right. I had achieved every goal and objective. And, you know, I had just been told flat out, this is it. Like, this is now you write it out, kid. You're 39. Like, congratulations. You got like a 20, 30 year, you know, autopilot ahead of you. And I'm like, no, that's I'm not an autopilot kind of chick. Um, right. So I resigned. And um I didn't know what I was going to do, but I did know I wanted to make a difference in the world. We all want you know, something else that probably a lot of people can relate to. I said, okay, well, I'm 39. I get to ask myself again, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, <laughs> and um, I decided I wanted to be a change maker. I wanted to be somebody who looked at problems, looked at the, looked at the world, observed problems and created solutions. And there was a lot of problems in the business um, sector that I was in, which was the eye care industry, mostly related to how people, businesses communicate their products and services to their community. They have these great products, eyeglasses, eye care, all these things that we all need to know a lot about. And because a lot of eye care businesses spent so much time doing a really good job taking care of their patients, they didn't have a whole lot of time to communicate this through social media and all of those different things. So that's kind of how this journey started. Well, we started with digital marketing, then we evolved into e-commerce and then we evolved into virtual trade shows. We always seem to be one step ahead. Um, when I built my first virtual trade show in 2018, the three words did not even exist in the Google search um, results. I mean, I Googled virtual trade show just to see if there was even anything out there. And in 2018, there wasn't. Um, so, you know, we built, we built the virtual trade show initially with um, very rudimentary <laughs> fundamentals. There was nothing exciting about it, um, but I had the industry and I had people and I had like the, the content. So it was like it, the technology really didn't have to be that, you know, um, extensive. But then I hit this point right during the pandemic where more people were coming. We were evolving the technology as we grew. And I felt like, okay, I really need to make this like um, sustainable. And yeah. the only way I could think of doing that was 3D. And right around the time we started building out this 3D, um, you know, exhibit environment to host this whole kind of community we'd built, the metaverse became a thing. Mm. So I decided maybe I could create a metaverse world around this convention center that we've built. And maybe I can invite the world, 
not just eye care professionals into the space. And maybe I can find a really responsible way to invite people that care about their vision and are really excited to learn about eyewear fashion to connect with this community that I built and solve all their problems because they need to connect with this younger generation and the younger generation, anybody under 40, definitely, definitely, definitely needs to know a lot more about their vision than they know today. Like they're like, there's even chat GPT doesn't know about vision. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are all good points. And I know I've definitely fallen into that category too. All I know is that I have 2020 vision. So that's about it. Um, so like I said, I definitely need more knowledge there. And so a couple of things stood out to me in your story. So when you quit your job at 39, right, was it just cold Turkey and mm -hmm. you just quit it and then completely jumped into entrepreneurship right at the gate? Yes, sir. That's awesome. How scary was that jump for you? Because I know a lot of people are in the same boat as you. They want to make that change, but they're so freaking scared to actually go out there and do it. So what it went was, through your mind to actually It was terrifying. Um, it was, you know, people who know my story know how pivotal that moment was. Um, you know, I'll just tell you a little bit of the story because it's a deep story. It, it was a lot of um, soul searching. Um, I was making a lot of money. Uh, I was very successful in my career. Um, I was already at the top of my field. So I knew once I left, that was it. There was no turning back. Yeah, and right. um, I had been to an interview that um, kept trying to bring me back and give me more money to get me to take the job. Um, and uh, I didn't want to step outside of my industry. Um, so I kept turning this job down and then it was like the last time I turned it down and the guy literally told me in the inter interview, and this is going to sound so crazy, but it, it really, it's, I mean, it's what he said to me. He said, um, God spoke to me during your interview to, and wanted me to tell you you're in the right place. And what he didn't know is I had prayed the whole way to that interview, which was about an hour drive, um, for God to give me some sign that I was in the right place. Cause I knew I needed to leave. I just, I didn't know, I knew this job wasn't going to be it. Um, but I felt like it was the closest I'd ever been to really taking that leap. Yeah. And I didn't take the job, but I took the advice and mm -hmm. I, I went back to my job and my boss didn't even like know what I'm like, I think I quit. And he's like, can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. And he's like, okay, well, thank you. You've been amazing. I can't like, I'm not mad at you. Like you clearly yeah. want to do something better for yourself. Like, how can I be upset with that? And then I had to piece my life back together. That was the big challenge because yeah. when you're successful and you're working for a job, you do take a lot of things for granted. I mean, they pay for your expenses and they fly you around and you get to meet sure. people. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to do all this for yourself. Sure. So, you know, it is a very big responsibility um, and it is not easy, but yeah. um, it's worth it. It's so yeah. worth it to fight through it. Yeah. Yeah, real talk. I mean, here you are at the top of your industry and decided to make the whole lifestyle change into entrepreneurship. And if I learned anything in the past two years that nothing is certain anymore in the corporate world, especially when COVID happened, people got laid off. They were in jobs for 20 plus years. So I know people that were engineers that got laid off. And it's like, you got to go out there and build something for yourself. And I think America as a whole, I think we're kind of going in more in that direction. As I've seen the past year or two, when everything's online, people are going out there trying to build their own brand, build their own side hustles or businesses that hopefully, you know, they can take full control of their lives at that point once it kind of matures. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see that in your story. 
Yeah. And, and I want to stay there for a minute because think about this. Everybody went through the pandemic. There's not anyone in the world that was immune to this. We were all in lockdown at the same time and we all were not working. Most, most of us. I mean, there's a few that were working, obviously the medical workers, they did a great job, but for the majority of us that were not medical workers or a part of the infrastructure of the world, we were not working and we got to sit home and like think a lot about what do I want to do when this is over? Um, and I think m the majority of us emerged with side hustles, because everybody has a side hustle now, right? Yeah. And now everybody wants their side hustle to be their main thing. And like they want their job to be kind of like the thing that kind of keeps them alive till their side hustle emerges. But yeah. it used to be the other way. Like we accepted that this is going to be my job forever and my side hustle is going to be a little hobby. And now people really want to make their dreams a reality. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's just that old saying, you know, work, work your job to pay the bills and then work on your legacy and your future after your job happens in the afternoons and at night. So that's so true in your story as well. Another thing you mentioned was online trade shows. And to me, it's so interesting of how you were doing this back in 2018 before the metaverse is even a thing. Because I think metaverse is like 2020 and that mm -hmm. thing when they really came out and announced that. So I don't even know what that is. So what can you, can you explain to me what, what an online trade show really means? Well, <laughs> back in 2018, um, there were a couple companies doing online trade shows. They were doing... Um, like little little Sims looking avatars walking around, but that's not what we did. We created like a hundred landing pages. <laughs> like we use ClickFunnels and we use Kartra and we use Emails and Prezi and all these different technologies. And yeah. we linked one to the other. So we created like these journeys. So it was like, okay, I came here. I watched a little video, then I went here, I learned about a brand, then I went here, I went into a meeting with the brand. It was like this kind of immersive experience and I didn't even realize that I was like building the infrastructure of, of my metaverse platform before I had the 3D space around it. So right. there's all different virtual trade shows out there and they have different formats. There's different platforms now. So you can see a hundred million different ways to do this. But I think a virtual trade show has a few things that are need to be fundamental. You need to have a place where people can truly connect not just see a feed where you can just see people commenting, but like a little virtual area with tables where you could pop in similarly to Zoom, but mm -hmm. unlike Zoom, it's not like, okay, I have to send you a link, then you come into my meeting, then I've got to give you controls. In a real virtual trade show, I could sit at a table with you and in real time, you and I are in an engagement and it could be for a minute or an hour. And when we're done, we leave and maybe other people can join. That was one of my favorite features because- um, Wow. If you think about physical, and I don't know if you've been to a lot of physical trade shows before. Have you done this? Like one or two, one or two. But you've been, have you been in college or in any other place physically where there's a lot of people? Yeah, I'm in college right now. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you're going to totally get this. There's always those people that are very shy. And yep. it is very, very hard for them to just come in and enter a conversation. And virtual is life-changing for communication for people who are autistic, who are shy, who are insecure. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen people come to tables and leave their camera off and their you know, voice on and they just sit and listen and they just kind of slowly, you see them turn the camera on and then you, it's like you see them like just open up, come like just transform. Yeah. After an hour even of just sitting there and listening, you're like, is that person even there? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I, I love this subject. Right. One of my favorite parts of this because that's transformative for us as a community, as a society, as a species, to, to give everyone a chance to learn how to communicate. Sure.
Yeah, and that's especially important going forward because I think that is something that's lacking right now in our whole kind of environment and country, to be honest with you. There's no communication. People are just being divided without really talking things out with one another. And I think we're seeing the effects of that right now with everything kind of going on. Um, and so for your virtual trade show, so was this, did you code like your own platform this or like what did you use to actually host your trade show platform? That's an amazing question. So you have to remember in 2018, you know what else we didn't have? Zoom. Zoom sucked That's crazy. in 2018. Right. Right. Yeah. It was God awful. It was so bad. Like people would pop yeah. in, they'd pop out, they'd show up, they'd trim. It was, it was so disruptive. <laughs> Um, around 2019, I, I started using a platform called AirMeet. They were a startup. Um, to this day, AirMeet tells me that I use their platform better than anyone they know. Because <laughs> I sat down. The one thing they had was they had a place where you could sit down and talk to the technicians. And I would spend hours and hours and hours talking to them about what I wanted to do. And they would help me build it. And then I started to get really good at building these um, you, you know, just having the technology isn't enough. You need to understand where do people want to go and you need to predict kind of where they're going to go and what they're going to want to do when they get there. So you can make sure that you're setting it up to meet their expectations. It's really right. a bizarre way of thinking that you have to almost read people's minds. And the only way for me to have done that was by watching what people did. I did these shows every 90 days. They were three days long. Most of my shows were like, I didn't sleep or eat for three days. I just sat there and I, everybody came and we did speakers and brands mm -hmm. came from all over the world. And this That's is, awesome. a, this is a time when people couldn't leave their homes during the pandemic. We were facilitating trade shows during lockdown for, and people came in from Germany. They came in from all over different languages. It was such a great experience and it got That's me through cool. the pandemic without losing my mind, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, yeah. um, <laughs> It, it, it isn't just about the technology, Will. It's really about wanting to understand people. I mean, I've learned so much more about different types of people and I've become more empathetic just in my own life. Like we, we do get self-centered and social media as connecting as it is can be very disconnecting as well. And mm -hmm. I think the metaverse is going to create completely new opportunities for us to communicate. There's just, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm telling you. It yeah. has changed my life. Yeah. No, and it's coming whether people like it or not, right? And I think Metaverse is very much so tied with the whole AI wave that's coming right now, too. So I think the next five years, like if you're on the front of this, whatever's coming, then you're going to have a huge financial opportunity and a huge connection opportunity to meet people you've never met before. So I think there's going to be some major changes going forward in the next five years here. Um, so for your online trade shows, that was all based around eye, eye care, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we started, it was, and, it, and you have to think about it when you're in a, when you're in an industry, um, there's a pretty good handle on the topics that are talked about at these shows. It's all about like who's sponsoring the content and mm -hmm. who are the speakers. And a lot of times the content is very like, it's the same old, same old. So we invited like rebels, right? Like the disruptors, yeah. like people that had new things to say. Um, do, have, did you watch the movie Cruella? I did not, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. So it was one of the first movies in history where all of the eyewear was made by an independent eyewear designer, Tom Davies. Wow. And Tom Davies came on my vision show, not the metaverse, just my vision show. And he pulled opticians from around the world on stage, virtually. He was in his factory in London and he made eyeglasses like he had them sketch it out. 
and he designed it and he made the plastic, the acetate for it right there in his little factory at a little kitchen that cooked the acetate down. Wow. And he made the glasses. I actually have them upstairs, but we, I mean, th those were the kinds of events that we did. They were very interactive. Yeah. That's awesome. And it seems to me like you were really hosting online huge events before they were even a thing or really even that popular. So from you with your backs around in kind of the corporate world, jumping into that, becoming more of an event organizer, how hard was it for you to bring in these speakers, kind of promote these kind of events to get people to actually show up for it? What was that process like for you? Because I know that it's extremely difficult to do that for even physical events. You know, that's an amazing question. And I'm actually shocked that nobody's ever asked me that before because I've done a lot of these interviews. Um, I remember those days. I cried over this. I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, I can't do an event that doesn't mimic a real event because the one thing you need is something that people can relate to. And I knew the one thing they could relate to was the schedule. They can relate to their speakers. There's about 30 minute hour sessions. There's a place to watch content and a place to do exhibits. There's exhibitors that need to learn. I mean, there was right. so much. And we wrote, I mean, we, <laughs> when I say we, it's me and Dr. Arena Jacobin. Now, just so you can relate to this, Two people. <laughs> I was, by, no, it really was. I was by myself for a long time. Jeez. And then she saw me like struggling on social media, trying to get the word out. And she's like, do you need help? She was a student. She was actually graduating optometry school during the pandemic and volunteering with me to help me with this. And um, we would sit down and write outlines and be like, okay, where do people want to go? And what are we going to do? It was so incredibly difficult. And then building the landing pages. And like, yeah, that's hard stuff. That's a good <laughs> And right? making sure people don't go in a circle and get upset with you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can only imagine. Registration was the hardest part. Like making the first thing that people do is they register. And back in 2018, there was none of this. There was no SSO in 2018. Did not exist. There was right. no single sign on. So right. we had to create registration that was like easy and intuitive. These are all the things that were challenging, but it pushed us to really, really make it as simple as possible. That's what it really boiled down to is we started with very complex events, trying to really compensate for the fact that it wasn't physical with things that people didn't really need. And every That's time right. we, we pulled something back, it got better. So it was taking things away that ended up making it better. And then it just, we ended up just focusing on the content and the people. Mm -hmm. And then the one thing that I really tried to, um, to succeed at that I'm still working on is you can't have a successful event monetarily unless the exhibitors that are investing can get um, a return on investment. And sure. for that to happen, they have to go they have to meet people. They have to get a qualified lead. They've got to know how to follow up with it. And you're talking about teaching physical business owners a whole new way to transact virtually, to build a virtual sales pipeline, understand what that is, understand how to manage and follow up with these people. So I'm still developing that in real time. But in the metaverse, we've solved that by creating NPC characters with Unreal Engine 5 that have chat GPT intelligence built into it. So we have to teach wow. people how to sell. We just program little bots for them that do it for them because wow. I'm done trying to teach people. Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. No, that's, that's a genius idea. Yeah. Especially when you're online, you can't really tell if it's a person or even AI and we can train the AI to do exactly what you want to do, become a master salesperson. You can do that. Yeah. So. We call it vacation mode. Vacation. So would you like to run your, would you like to run your event while yeah. you're on vacation? Call us. <laughs> yeah, that is such a cool concept. I love that. 
And so kind of fast forward in your journey. So after these online trade shows, obviously you started the Omniverse. So how does that differ from the online trade shows and what exactly is the Omniverse? That's another really great question that I'm, I'm shocked a lot of people have an X and I really took a big leap here because the trade show was my vision show. That was a brand. I branded it. I won an award for it. Most influential woman in the industry. And then wow. I kind of diluted the brand by building the optical metaverse. Now it wasn't right. called the optical metaverse initially. It was called my vision show 3d because I wanted to connect mm -hmm. it to the, my vision show franchise. But then Zuckerberg came out with the metaverse and that was a word that was better than trade show so I said, huh, maybe I could borrow some of this kind of fame. Everybody, everybody, everybody yep. was like, did, did Zucky steal your idea? Right. If you patent that, you might be able to go to his door. Everybody and thought that he money. stole my idea. I'm like, no. Right. Um, and everybody thought during the pandemic, because don't forget, we were doing metaverses pre-pandemic. I had a lot of people coming to me. You know, my first major show was March of 2020. We were building them in 2018, 2019, but 2020 was when we really had proven the concept and we were bringing it to market. And we had a lot of people reaching out to us like, did you know, like, did, were you preparing for something? Did, were you like not sharing this with us? Because it was weird that during the pandemic, we were going live with this thing and it wasn't about selling at that point. It was about really, you know, helping people and listening to them. But to answer your question, um, pivoting from calling it my vision show 3D to the optical metaverse was a huge risk. Number one, nobody was liking the metaverse when it came out. Nobody liked the idea, but they okay. understood it. So that's why we that's why we decided to call it that. Um, the other thing was, I felt like the the metaverse that um, Zuckerberg was explaining included a VR headset, and we don't know. No one, no one that you meet knows this. So anyone who tells you he knows this, they're lying to you. No okay. one knows the dangers of VR headset exposure long term. What we do know is in the last 10 years that these have been really widely used, no one's really heavily studied this enough to have a good opinion. And they're only getting more, they're only getting more um, impressive and, and more feature rich, but there really isn't, um, there aren't any champions there from the eye care industry getting invited to help with long, um, long, long, um, long-term studies of how this impacts vision. So I felt like if I could build a trade show uh, or not a trade show, a metaverse, that did not require a headset and put the optical industry stamp on it, then maybe the world will really respect the role that optical and optometry plays in vision by making it cool and making it fun and making it exciting and saying, look, the optical metaverse, like the yeah. least likely industry to enter the metaverse right. is the optical industry, I promise it's a you. cutting edge industry right now, yeah. yeah so that you're lucky that most of them have really good websites and they would tell you this themselves. But yeah, um, it was interesting to, and, and by the way, it's interesting because opticians and optometrists, they have great technology in their offices. You go into their offices, it's very sophisticated. You can get an OC, OCT scan and all sorts of, you know, they have genetic tests to find out if you have macular degeneration. There's a lot of technology in their office, but it wasn't accessible externally. So that, those were some of the things that I thought would help me sell this concept. I did not expect the world to embrace this as much as they did. So in order for me to sell the optical metaverse, I had to go out to the Web3, <clears throat> the NFT, the crypto industry, you know, 
people your age that were just curious about the future and didn't really have a term for it. You know, Will might not be Will the DGen or Will the NFT expert, but Will is like, okay, I've got a long time to go here and technology is racing ahead of me. I better prepare a sustainable future for myself and my family. Is that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's something you think every day, right? Of course, of course. And things are changing so fast to your point. Well, Exactly. They are. And and in twenty in twenty twenty one, when twenty twenty two, when this really started to explode, I thought, okay, many, many, many more industries are gonna want to use this and many more people are gonna want to use this in the optical industry. And we only had a convention center and we had a little city outside of it. So I said, okay, I've got to build something around this that makes the rest of the world feel invited. And my vision of the metaverse of the Omniverse City was Manhattan. So I modeled it after Times Square, a place where we all go to meet for major events like, you know, New Year's Eve and major, you know, concerts, stuff like that. And I built um, Times Square around the convention center and the rest is history because we have so many industries now coming in, fashion, arts, you know, people coming in just that aren't industry specific, but they're just future focused. Gotcha. So the way I'm understanding it is that the metaverse that Zuckerberg built is completely separate to what you have right now with the Omniverse. You literally built out your own metaverse per se called the Omniverse City. And that's where people are starting to come together right now. And you're doing that without the VR headsets as Zuckerberg mm-hmm. wants people to do. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and to take it a step further, the metaverse is not one singular platform. Okay. It is not. And and anybody who's an expert will tell you it is a, it is a, at best a definition that you can you know feel comfortable with is it's a series of interconnected networks that are beyond the internet that are you know they call it Web three because it's more immersive it's cloud gaming it's crypto it's blockchain it's all of these things that exist um, separate from the internet and if you think about all the news articles that represent all the different infrastructure of our physical and digital world that are failing us. There's breaches, there's failures, there's collapses, there's all these things happening in the, in the web two and physical world. Web three is being designed, in my opinion, to give people a, a, a more sustainable future and, and, and newer options that are not so reliant on the infrastructure that's so old and so like, you know, the people who owned this infrastructure really didn't do the best job upkeeping it. Let's face it. I mean, sometimes when you want to control something so badly, you suffocate it. And in a world that's looking to breathe again, um, that's dangerous for corporations that had the control because that's why they're starting to lose it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And so with your omniversity, what are your, what are your hopes for it? Like, if we look back five years from now, like what do you hope to see happening through Omniversity? What are your end goals for Omniversity? Because I know right now it's really designed specifically for like the eye care industry, stuff like that. So are you planning to keep in the industry? You want to blow it up more outside of that? Or what are your end goals for that? I, you're really a great interviewer. I have to tell you, you ask the best questions. I really appreciate them. First of all, um, we have used our event-centric audience growth kind of system to already onboard other industries. So we have already brought in NFT. Um, I recently was invited by entrepreneur, you know, India to speak in India. And I live streamed into India, (laughs) you know, in front of the entire metaverse and web three industry of India. 
um, which oh. is kind of interesting. At the beginning of um, Women's History Month, I was the only woman on the panel with my bright pink jacket in India. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, oh, yeah. Oh, only Metaverse founder, right? It was, it was hysterical. Um, yeah. But, you know, I want to represent, I want to be a champion for change. That's it, for positive yeah. change, for everybody making decisions that they feel empowered to make because nobody's setting limits for them. And I want to set guidelines and we have set guidelines and infrastructure that lets somebody come in and have building blocks, but not like a, con like a constricted way to build. So you can build something similar to what we've built. You can copy it and build your own with like a different color, or you can say, you know what? I want to use my imagination to build something completely different. And, you know, that's a very important thing that we're all going to have to learn. We're all going to have to learn how to build. Everyone is going to have to learn how to build. You had to learn how to navigate through social media in a very unique way. You had to build a story on social media. We all have done it. We've put pictures, we've put words, we've put videos, podcasts. These are all the things that we use to leave our stamp in social media. The way that we leave our stamp in Metaverse and Web3 is going to be very different. And right now, we're all just learning what those tools look like. Um, to answer your question very specifically, Will, because it's a great question, and I want to answer it. I have kids, okay? I have a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, and an 8-year-old. Awesome. And as a mom, um, I want to create a way for my kids to have the tools that they need to succeed. And I want to encourage, there's like six generations living at once right now. If you think about it, there's still the silent generation. There's still some, some people from that generation still, still left there. I mean, there's people hundreds still that are alive and kicking. Um, you know, you've got the, you know, the boomers, the Gen Xers, which is my generation, Gen yeah. Z, um, Gen Alpha, millennials, you've got all of these and, you know, Gen Beta is not far behind. So you've got You've got so many more generations living together than ever before. And there has got to be a common denominator. We can't just keep letting each generation be isolated from the one before it. We've got to find common denominators. And I think that this, I is, a fun, this is a fun, like one of the guys who embraced this, he he said, you know, and he's he's not in his 40s. I don't know how old he is, but you'll meet him. His name is Bruce Carnahan. Um, he, he's, well, he's been a coach for 45 years. So he's been around a while. And he wants to leave his legacy behind. That's a different thing than what you might want. You want to build your future. But maybe by him leaving his legacy behind, you can learn something from that. And then you can build a future taking some tips from history instead of this like kind of competition of the, the past and the future, really right. just leveraging the best of both worlds. Right. And merging them. And to your point, the whole building blocks... I love how you mentioned that because that's discontinuous learning there. And that's been happening ever since this country got founded. Like you're not going to tell someone back in the day with the horse and buggy how to drive a car. Right? That's a huge shift for them, but it had to be done. And you look at it now, I think this is really that next phase of our country and our environment. And so you, you're going to have to learn how to go online, learn how to do things. Just so we, just like how we learned to, like you mentioned, go on Instagram, make reels, or even go on Snapchat or even do anything online. Right. That was a huge learning curve for a lot of people. Um, and to your point, I think that the silent people, like you're talking about, we need to learn from them as well and kind of mix these things that going forward, we're not leaving out these things that were happening before. We kind of carry some of that culture with us going forward too, because I think that's a huge problem that we're going to run into here pretty soon. Um, oh, don't, don't lose that thought. This is so important, Will. 
there's nothing I'm going to say that's more important than this. And I'm speaking directly to you as somebody who has a voice to your generation. I'm so proud of you and I appreciate you for doing this. Not a lot of people have the courage to do something like this and open up a channel like this. So you're doing a great job, but you have to understand the difference between first hand knowledge. And like, you know, you think about the telephone game. Somebody told somebody, told somebody, told somebody, then you put it on the internet and then somebody changed the story. I mean, there's, you know, most of the blogs and information that you read, it's like somebody's, you know, recap of something that they might've seen or they might've heard, but that silent generation, they were there. Yep. And, you know, I was there in the eighties. Exactly. Like you can ask me about Michael Jackson, Madonna, all these people. I was there, I saw it, but you're yep. right. If, and, and a lot of these generations, and I'm going to use the Gen X generation on up, we were not digital at all. Nothing that we did or said was digital. A lot of our stuff is on fishers and like libraries you have to roll through to right. find the articles. So documenting that in these sorts of ways in the metaverse, these, um, you know, showing what we did or reenactments, it's a great way to reserve history. 100%, 100%. I think that is such a good point. And just so you're talking about information is being so filtered nowadays by people are only seeing what the major news outlets want you guys to see, right? And to your point, like in the 80s back then, you guys didn't have social media. And so you guys have so many better values, in my opinion, than what I'm seeing right now in our generation right now. And I think we're really losing that as a Gen Xer, you know, we're losing that kind of stuff. But to your point, I think if we can have more independent people, like you're mentioning, going on to these platforms, metaverse or whatever it is, just speaking their own mind, sharing their own original thoughts without having to be diluted by so many other people. And that's gonna be powerful going forward. And then we're not gonna have so many conflicting theories about stuff going on in the world right now. I think that it can really help us kind of come together as a country. So I commend you on what you're doing. I wanna go, thank you so much. I wanna go back to something you said, cause you said another thing that was really profound. And I didn't think about this when I was building the metaphors. It really did just start as I didn't wanna fail. <laughs> Like, yeah. I just kept building the best next best thing because it was like, okay, well, this didn't work. What about this? What about this? What about this? Just keep right. adding and adding and adding layers on the cake, right? And then all of a sudden we hit we hit this eureka moment. But I want to go back to something I realized recently when I started building the infrastructure for small towns to come into the Omniversity because we are doing that. We are talking to local towns and we're saying, how do we build you some? Because these people are devastated. I mean, think about it. If you're a small town, you're paying all this money to have a storefront in Main Street downtown that doesn't have anywhere near the foot traffic it used to. Your okay. rent didn't go down because of that. It's gone up. If anything, costs have gone up. Everything's gone up, but your traffic and your money has gone down. So that's one part. But let me tell you the other part, Will. When we were kids, we went physically into a store with money in our hand, cash. We talked to the merchant behind the counter. We transacted. That whole human-to-human -human communication is not really present in an e-commerce experience, 100%. even with a chatbot, even with a avatar, it really isn't there. So my goal with the Omniverse City, I think this is the best way to answer your earlier question, is to make sure that we still facilitate digital transformation without interfering with the human to human interaction that yes. we all need to maintain like that humanity that we need to keep so that we don't become so technologically detached that our future generations miss out on that culture. You're, you're, that was a good word that you use and it's absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. And that makes us human. And I've noticed that as well, coming out of the COVID the two years, whatever you come back to college, so many people are lacking those communication skills and lacking, you know, interpersonal skills, like hanging out with other people. It's just, it's not there. And like you said, we need to kind of bridge that gap again 
and keep human to human contact a thing because that's we are humans. So that's a very good point. Um, so before we run out of time here, so I have one more question for you. So just going forward for you, I know we talked a little bit about goals, but more on the personal side for you, what are some personal goals that you hope to get accomplished in the next couple of years? And um, before we head off, is there anything else you would, you would like to say to people? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I didn't talk enough about hybrid and how, although we're building the metaverse, we want to use it to, we're, we're partnering with physical events so that we can merge this, you know, digital to physical, but um, you know, building your own business is very time consuming. And my, my hope and prayer is that I could build a sustainable future for others and eventually take an opportunity to enjoy my family and travel the world and be there. I mean, you know, we're not going to be here forever. So it's yeah. important that you build sustainability. Um, I heard someone say recently that in the near future, they envision a world where we can dial in how much we want to work. So you couldn't say in a year from now, if you had a nine to five, Oh, hey, boss, guess what? Um, no, 40 hours. No, that's not working for me. Um, I'm going to be a 20 hour kind of person. And then like those other 20 hours, I'm going to do something else. <laughs> like you right. can't do that. But if you build a world where you're not, you know, you're either working remotely part time or you're working, you know, full time for somebody that understands that you want to build a laptop lap lifestyle, you like lay out these. I, I think a lot of businesses are open to you telling the kind of lifestyle you want to live. I think you can articulate, look, I don't want to be sitting in a cubicle 40 hours. I want to be here, me 20 hours and the rest of it. I want to be able to travel the world and take care of my family and take my kids to soccer games. And that's enriching and fulfilling for me. I want to be more present in my physical life um, yeah. by building up my virtual life to kind of maintain what I need to do. So I want to build more of kind of like an autopilot for my virtual life so that I could become more present in my physical life. Yeah. And that is so important just so you're talking about. It's really not just about the money or that kind of stuff. It's about the family, family stuff and family values that you can kind of bring back to yourself by giving yourself that time freedom by automating pretty much everything that's online. So I love that you, you brought that up. Um, so I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so Thank much you. for hopping on here. And uh, one last thing. So if people want to reach out to you with some questions or anything like that, how can people find you? Thank you so much. So if you go to theomniverse.city, um, you can actually jump right into the metaverse. So you can actually create an avatar and go. I hope you get to do this. And then you'll see another button that says, watch the season two replay little little secret when you click that you're not just watching you're a part of the show so that's that kind of my vision show feel that we gave to omniversity so you can actually go in sit down watch a video about the omniverse watch people creating avatars maybe even just sit and meet someone in the lobby before you actually jump in if you're a little intimidated by that so those are the best ways or you can send me an email um founder f-o-u-n-d-r at the omniverse.city awesome all right, and I will put that link in the comments below. So if anyone listening wants to click on it, we'll have it down in the comments below. So, all right, guys, there you have it. Charlene Nichols, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Will. Great job. I love this interview. No way that we go is a one-way street. Nothing that we love is a one-day key. And if we gon' do it, we gon' do this now. And if we say we gonna, we gon' hold this now.